everybody. Uh, I am really excited for this message today. We're talking about the happy sweeping gospel. And you know, it is amazing how much confusion there is about the gospel. And I know if you kind of um, polled, you know, just your average Christian, they would say, oh yeah, the gospel is this. And the problem is, is that actually most of the time, it's not accurate. We don't even really know what the good news is. We say it's good news and then we don't really know what it is or we represent it wrong. And that's not a condemnation statement. Uh, that is kind of diagnostic. Okay. And, and we do need to own where we misrepresent God, but a lot of times it's because we've just been taught wrong. And one of the, the biggest abuses that, that causes us to, uh, misrepresent the gospel is the whole, uh, issue brought into the 1500s by, uh, John Calvin of penal substitution, where Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And he did die on the cross for our sins. The Bible says that, but we look at that through a lens of a legalistic God, uh, and remember John Calvin was a lawyer, that needed to punish sin. Someone's going to pay. We don't forgive sin. We we demand payment. Okay. And let me just say this before I continue with that thought, is that if you cannot forgive and then demand payment, okay, uh, they're mutually exclusive. So you either forgive or demand payment right? Anyway, so so the penal substitution says that God demands payment. Uh, Jesus, uh, as the lesser member of the Godhead, signs up for the job. He's the good cop. Uh, Father God's the bad cop. And the good news apparently is that because Jesus took it for us, we don't have to take it. And now um, we uh, are saved from God uh, from having to go into eternal conscious torment and punishment uh, because we're hiding behind Jesus. Um, this splits the Godhead is honestly a heresy, I would say, and I'm not trying to condemn anybody, but, you know, that's not what the church fathers taught, okay? I'm talking about the ones in the first couple centuries who are closer to what Jesus originally preached. That's kind of what the gospel is not. Uh, that creates distrust. You can't really trust and rest in a God who can barely tolerate you because you're snow covered dung covered by the blood of Jesus. And, um, and, you know, uh, you're, you've escaped punishment only because you jump through a hoop, uh, of saying a prayer. And, uh, gee, and then all these other people that you love and that are really good people are ending up in eternal conscious torment because they didn't jump through the hoop and, uh, bummer for them. Right. And so that's, that's actually doesn't really sound like good news for me to me. And it's not what was preached. So let's dive in. So we kind of talked about what it isn't. Um, let's delve into what it is. I'm probably going to have to do a couple parts on this because the gospel 
is clear and it's also mysterious. And so in our Western thinking, we want it all wrapped up and tied up with a bow with linear thinking and a five-part sermon. And we got it. We nailed it. We nabbed it. We grabbed it. And we're just not going to because it's the gospel of Christ and the gospel. And and since Jesus is not a nab it, grab it, tie it up with a bow person, (laughs) we're probably not going to nab all the good news and all the ramifications of it. But we can just rest increasingly more in the unveiling of it, in the goodness of the news and the sweepingness of the good news, that we can just be happy campers and share our happiness, which would be evangelism. Okay, so Mark 1.14, uh, the gospel, the kingdom, this is, uh, might be pertinent because this is about Jesus ministering his gospel. Later on, after John the baptizer was arrested, Jesus went back into the region of Galilee and preached the wonderful gospel of God's kingdom. So the gospel is a gospel of God's kingdom. Now, awesome. And, uh, but kind of, we need to delve into what that is. And we, you know, we have to understand if we think we're going to nail it, grab, nab it down to all the details. Um, you know, we just have to be able to be content with delving deeper into mystery and embrace what our Eastern brothers and sisters have an easier time embracing. And that is a thing of mystery and paradox. And just be happy campers in the midst because you're adored and it's all good. Okay. Uh, his message was this, at last the fulfillment of the age has come. So wow, he is explosively, at last the fulfillment of the age has come, right? It is time for God's kingdom to be experienced in its fullness. So this is a kingdom. This is the good news of a kingdom to be experienced in its fullness. And it's all good. It's all God. And then he says, turn your lives back to God and put your trust in the hope-filled gospel. The gospel is full of hope. There's hope to experience that. How many people do I run into and you run into that are like, I want to experience God's love. That may be you deeper and deeper and deeper. Well, I want to do that more too, right? That's all of us. But I, you know, I hear pain. I'm like, I don't, I haven't experienced God's love and they're in pain. Well, of course they are because, wow, if that's not an experiential reality, you are in pain. And, you know, God does call us to live by faith, his faith, but that faith is to be realized and experienced. So it's not like you have this something in the sweet by and by and you just suffer now, but you stand in faith as a good Christian, right? And you just confess the right things because if you don't confess the right things, the wrong things will happen to you. That's a whole nother thing. But anyway, let's keep going because there's so much and I'm not going to be able to get through all of it, but, um, just, just let's just enjoy what we have and then we get more. Yay. So there we go. Okay. So one thing I want to make clear that the, that, that honestly scripture makes clear. I always am a little hesitant to say that because it's like, it's so clear in the Bible. Well, we interpret it all sorts of confused ways. But this is just flat out things that it says. There are false gospels and there, which means there's a true gospel. Let's go to Romans 2.16. All of these are in the Passion Translation. So I can whip through this um, uh, without having to say that every time. Uh, so this is a judgment that will be revealed on the day when God, through Jesus the Messiah, judges the hidden secrets of people's hearts. Okay, so being judged with the hidden secrets of our hearts is actually a, like a really good thing. Um, so this is not a punishment thing. 
That's part of what the gospel is about. Uh, it's not a punishment thing. It's a, 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 a discipline, which is correction, which is healing in our minds that are thinking wrong in our wills that just want the wrong things. We want evil things. Okay. We desire evil things. Okay. And our emotions that are broken. Okay. So these are the things in our hearts hidden. A lot of times we lock them away even from ourselves. And God is like, yeah, let me look at that. Let's unpack that. Oh, bring it out into the open to be healed. Okay. The one time when wrath is revealed as punishment is when it is man's need for punishment, not God's. Okay. Just thought I'd throw that in there. And I, I'm sorry, I can't take you into what that is because I got way too much to cover to, uh, to stay on track. And their response to my gospel will be the standard of judgment used in that day. The response to my gospel, like I've given it all to you. This is who you are. This is who I am. This is who my father is. You're one. We're all one. We're all united. You already have the kingdom. It's all in you. All of that. I just kind of express the gospel right there, but it'll be judged. It's there for, listen, if it doesn't look like according to the gospel that Paul preached, it needs to burn up and you want it to burn up. You want it to be flat out burned up because it's not who you are and it's not good news and it's burning up the bad news. Okay. Just saying the point of the context was there's a false gospel. There's a true gospel. Uh, let's keep on going. Second Corinthians 11, four for you seem to, okay. So this is a, a heavy duty. So buckle up, um, and don't be condemned. I'm just telling you right away. Just we're not doing condemning, but we are doing diagnostic for you seem to gladly tolerate anyone who comes to you preaching a pseudo Jesus. Oh, dang it. We tend to do that as human beings. And as Christians, right? Not the Jesus we have preached. So there's a false Jesus. There's a true Jesus. You have accepted a spirit and a gospel that is false. Wow. Rather than the spirit and gospel you once embraced. So we can be doing good and then like veer off into a false Jesus and a false gospel. We can get lured away. How tolerant you have become of these imposters. So this is Paul really kind of lambasting us. Like, but you know what? It is, it, that's the lambasting's good. You know why? Because it says, no, you're not that. So be this. Don't tolerate a pseudo Jesus. Don't tolerate a pseudo gospel. Okay. Don't tolerate that. And, uh, you have become deluded over here. So let me just shake you out of your delusion into the whole real Jesus and the real gospel. Uh, let's go to Galatians 1. May God's undeserved kindness and total well-being that flow from our Father God and from the Lord Jesus be yours. Yay, I vote for that. Here's the anointed one who offered himself as the sacrifice for our sins. So there it is. He did offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins, but probably not in the way that it's been taught and we've believed. If you look from a, a Calvin perspective, let's beat the crap out of Jesus so I don't get the crap beaten out of me. Okay, so that's not what he offered. Listen, if your kid dove into the sewer, Okay. And believed and was covered with human refuse. Okay. With bullshit. Okay. With hu human shit. Okay. I don't say it. Okay. It's just there. And I'm saying it ugly because it is ugly. Okay. There's a time. I believe there's a time for ugly words to be used. Just be sparing so that it actually means something when you say it. 
Okay, that's what I tell my kids. <laughs> but not ingesting. Okay. So anyway, so there is there there there's your kids, the human race. And they're covered with shit. I'm just going to say it because it's ugly and it deserves an ugly word. Okay. They, we are depraved in our mindsets. We are wanting evil things. We are thinking we're shit. And so we act like shit and we let other people treat us like shit. I'm just saying it as it is because it's ugly. It's the, it's the place where, okay, that's the fall of humanity. Okay. So if you are God and you're like, there are my kids and I knew this was going to happen, but this is not okay. I'm the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And I'm going to dive in to that sewer. I'm going to let all that shit cover me. I'm going to become that shit on, on the cross to rescue my kids and my father in me diving right in there with me. Holy Spirit, we travel on a pack diving right in there with me to dig you out and clean you up and remind you of who you are because you may have been doing a bunch of shit because you believed you were a bunch of shit and you may have let people treat you like a bunch of shit, but that's all shit. Okay. I don't know how to say it. Okay. So I'm sorry if I offended you, but it is offensive. Okay, that's offensive. And so, wow, we should be offended. Like, whoa, what have we become? What have we allowed ourselves to believe? And look at this, how I've treated other people and let other people treat me, right? That's offensive, all right? So here's God and he's diving in. So he is the sacrifice for our sins, our fallen way of being and thinking of ourselves, our false identities that cause us to act in ways that are evil. Okay. Just thought I'd give you that context for that. Who sacrificed for our sins. You don't think it's a sacrifice to dive into that sewer to become shit? Okay. Sin, false ways of being, right? To save your kids. That's a sacrifice that the entire Trinity did. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Okay. Let's, let's go on to beautiful things. <laughs> Here's the anointed one who offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. He rescued us from this evil world, world system. Let me just say when you're in that sewer and all around you is shit and everybody's covered with shit and you're covered with shit. You believe you're shit. You believe other people are shit. You let them treat you like shit. You act like shit. It's all shit. <laughs> I think it's called the evil world system. And by the way, the Bible does use the word scabola, which is shit. So just, uh, just to help you with that. Um, and set us free. You see, when you're in that, you, you don't even discern what you're swimming in. You can't discern it. So you don't even realize the extent to which there's shit. <laughs> okay. Because it's all everywhere. When you're a fish and swimming in water, you, and the water's toxic, you don't discern the toxicity of the water because that's all you swim in. You may just feel like crap. I feel so toxic. What's going on? I don't know, but that's just the way it is, right? He, he's the anointed one who offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. He rescued us from the evil world system. It's more evil than we know and set us free just as the fa father God 
desired. That is the gospel, baby. All the glory be to God alone. And that's God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They travel on a pack throughout time and eternity. Okay, now verse 6. This is Paul speaking to the Galatian church. This is Paul speaking to us as the church in every way that we've fallen this way. I am shocked over how quickly you have strayed away from the one who called you into the grace of Christ. I'm astounded that you now embrace a distorted gospel. This is not, this is a, sorry, this is a fake gospel that is simply not true. This is the only one gospel, the good news of Christ. This is why it's a little hard to get our minds around it because it's as big as Jesus's, okay, of, and Christ, who is, who is the Messiah, the Savior. Okay. How big is that? How many dimensions is that? How do we wrap our heads around that, right? Yet you now have allowed those who mingle law with grace to confuse you. A little bit of law, a little bit of grace equals law. Thank you, Joseph Prince. Verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven, wow, should preach a gospel different than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Yikes. Let me make it clear, anyone, no matter who they are, that brings you a different gospel than the gospel you have received, let them be condemned and cursed. I'm going to put that in context for you to help you. Beloved ones, let me re- repeat emphatically that the gospel entrusted to me was not given to me by any man. No one taught me this revelation, for it was given to me directly by the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Let me just help you with this whole cursing and condemnation, because last time I checked in Christ. There is no condemnation, Romans 8, 1, that Jesus would became a curse so that we would be freed from the curse. So what is all this cursing and condemnation? When we are relating to ourselves and God outside this gospel, outside our in Christ status, which is a delusion, by the way, because we're all in Christ whether we know it or not, whether we believe it or not, whether we accept it or not, whether we rebel against it or not, whether we disagree, whatever we're doing, when we're not tracking with it and embracing it, we are operating as under a curse. We are operating in condemnation intrinsically. Listen, when you're in that sewer and you think God's out there condemning you, sending you there and separate and hating you and you're dead, you are operating, you are experiencing a curse. You are experiencing condemnation. And so what does God do? He becomes a curse, dives in there to rescue you because in him, there's no curse. And really you're in him down there. You just don't know it. That's why I'm saying it's a delusion. Okay. So God's not cursing you and condemning you. You already stand cursed and condemned because you're acting as if you're separate from God and believing as if you're separate from God. And you're acting that way because you believe you are separate from God. All right, let's keep going. Romans 16. I have a lot. This is going to be probably a multi-part message, but I'm going to try to make it so that they can stand alone, uh, so that you don't feel like you have to be in this endless series um, of stuff. But like, joy, if it says gospel in it, dive into that again, because whoo, I have more. It wasn't like I'll be able to sum it up in this one. We're going to keep on going because there's so much more to know. 
And don't worry, you're secure, you're solid, you're adored, you're saved, healed, delivered, you're all of that, even though you don't get what all that is. It's not like you have to get it all in order to experience it, but the more you get, the more you experience. So let's keep on going. Romans 16, uh, 25 through 26, I give all my praises uh, and glory to the one who has more than enough power. Sorry. I just like that to make you strong and keep you steadfast through the promises found in my gospel, my gospel. Once again, isn't this interesting? This is Paul's gospel and it's the gospel of Christ. Okay. That is, and he says it flat out. So for those of you who are confused, that is the proclamation of Jesus, the anointed one. So let me just say this. No wonder you may not have a full understanding of what it is because it's as big as Christ. Okay, but we're going to grow in our knowledge of him, right? Um, this wonderful news, so it's wonderful, and it's news, includes the unveiling of the mystery kept secret from the dawn of creation until now. Verse 26, this mystery is understood through the prophecies of the scripture and by the decree of the eternal God. So we, you know, scripture, the prophets have been prophesying. The scripture have been speaking about this and God has decreed it. Uh, It's being unveiled, being unveiled, being unveiled, being unveiled, unveiled. And now it's being unveiled in our hearts, right? And it is now heard openly by all nations. So it is inclusive. Yay. Isn't that good news? Igniting within them a deep commitment of faith. Okay. It brings the fruit of faith with it. Uh, Lots of other fruit too, because it's the good news of Christ. Okay. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you. I just, I just savor and enjoy. Um, I think that's probably the best way because really what I feel like the Lord is wanting to, um, stir up stuff inside you, um, rather than help you be able to encapsulate. Because I'm telling you, if you want to evangelize, and I think a lot of people feel like we have to like encapsulate it so we can evangelize. Let me just tell you how to evangelize. And I'm not an evangelist. But if you're so full of God and his love and what he's done, it's like you're going to burp out the gospel. And it's going to be intuitively received, right? You you can't logic people into the waking up into the kingdom. You can't, um, you know... um, debate. I mean, it's okay to have debate because we do need to understand with our minds, but understanding with our hearts is what will transform you. And that will woo them into the kingdom. Because I'm telling you, anybody uh, swimming in the sewer, they may pretend that they love it, but that's a delusion in and of themselves. Starts off, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Dear friends, uh, let me give you clearly The heart of the gospel. I don't know. I'm sorry. That was so sarcastic right there. I was just saying it's so unclear. And then it says clearly. And it's funny because as he does this, there's clarity, but there's mystery. So which is why I thought that was funny. Uh, Let me give you clearly the heart of the gospel. So you have to understand it's the heart. The heart is deep. All right. And has many extensions that I preached to you, the good news that you have heartily received and on which you stand. So you receive it, the gospel, and you stand on the gospel. For it is through the revelation of the gospel. So this needs revelation. We need our eyes and lightning to 
to, to get it and to continue to grow in it. And then recognizing that with someone standing before us and we've got good news for them, it's just going to come out of our hearts. Man, that's, that's what people will respond to. That you are being saved. So we are saved and being saved. So let me just say this. Uh, if it says we're being saved, this alludes to this is not like about like the postmortem experience. Our salvation is starting now. And I believe continues after we die. Um, because it's all about restoring back to original design. Okay. And I'm not going to talk about that anymore because I could go off on a tangent. If you fasten your life firmly to the message, so you can, this, the message is what you fasten your life to. Oh, if you fast your, fast your life firmly to the message I've taught you, unless you have believed in vain. Well, um, for I have shared with you what I have received and what is of utmost importance. Now he's kind of going to outline uh, for us kind of what we, sort of when we talk about the gospel, like the mechanics of it, kind of. And then we're going to connect it back to what that means. Okay, so let's talk about a little bit the mechanics. The Messiah died for our sins, and he did. He died died for that sewer experience, fulfilling the prophecies of scriptures. He was buried in a tomb and was raised from the dead after three days, as foretold in the scriptures. So this is Paul speaking to a Jewish audience. Always remember the audience. And it does have meaning for us, but understand he's got to explain to them why Christ was the real Messiah among a lot of fake messiahs that were saying, I'm the Messiah at the time. And then appeared to Peter, the rock, and to the 12 uh, apostles. He also appeared to more than 500 of his followers at the same time, most of whom are still alive as I write this, though a few have passed away. Then he appeared to Jacob and to all the apostles. Uh, last of all, he appeared in front of me like the one born prematurely ripped from the womb, Okay, I'll just keep going. The message we preach, verse 12, is Christ, who has been raised from the dead. So how could any of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? So really important to the gospel and the mechanics of the gospel is the resurrection piece. And at the time, it even says in the the gospel of John that there was a rumor that was spread around uh, that Jesus hadn't really died. Right. And that was spread by the, um, the, the teachers of the law at the time to undermine this concept that, that it was Jesus that was the Messiah. Just so you know. And then this was uh, continued to be an issue for all those Gnostic people, uh, who basically never said that Jesus came in the flesh to begin with, in which case he died in vain. That's another tangent I could go on, but I won't. But the truth is Christ is risen from the dead as the first fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died, even as all who are in Adam die, so also are all those in Christ will be made alive. This is like the great, like I give you death, you give me life. But each one in, in his proper order, Christ the first fruits, then those who belong to Christ in his presence. Okay, verse 24. <clears throat> the final stage of completion comes. Sorry, I just have to linger here. Okay. 
Yes. Yay. When he will bring to an end every other rulership authority power and he will hand over the kingdom to father God. So these rulerships, kingdoms and powers will bow the knee. Like we have lots of their supernatural levels, but just in the natural. Like, think of, like, the political realm and the financial realm and all the different realms. This is very timely. That are kingdoms and gods unto themselves. Humanism. And then we have all the false religions that are, like, overt religions. We have a lot of covert religions, okay? uh, You know, like, money is God and sex is God and... Power is God and politics is God and, you know, we, you know, whatever. I mean, and, okay. And then we have like Buddhism and all the different world religions. Okay. So all of that, <clears throat> um, every other rulership, authority and power, he will hand over his kingdom to Father God. That's redeeming all things to himself. And it's sweeping. It's universal across time, space, religions, dimensions, genders. Until then, he is destined to reign as king. So he's still reigning. It's not like he's waiting to reign until that happens. As king, until, I love this, all hostility has been subdued and placed under his feet. Everything that is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. Cancer is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. Okay, false religion, idols are are exalting themselves against the knowledge of God. Every time we uh, operate in independence as if we are our own gods, we're acting in hostility to God. Every time we go to the back alley and we shoot up something because we believe we're We're medicating and we believe we're worthless. Okay, that's operating in hostility to God. Okay, and the last enemy, oh, I love it so much to be subdued and eliminated is death itself. So if it has, so let me just help you. It is antichrist if it brings death. Okay. I love that. The gospel is a gospel of grace. Yay. This is not a shocker, but let me help, let me uh, just help you so you can enjoy that truth. This is about enjoying and experiencing. People say, I want to experience love. I want to know God. You know, they're just so like, I want to know him. Well, this is how we know him. So let's enjoy Galatians 2, 5. We're not, I'm not spouting out scripture so you can get the answer correct and get it all straight in your head. I'm, I'm, I'm spouting it out so you can encounter it because it's the word of God pointing to the one who is the word. And it's all about him, the gospel of Christ, the Messiah. So you can encounter him and experience his love because he is love. Okay. Let's keep going. Galatians 2, 5. And I will uh, truncate this pretty soon because I know it's a lot. But if you must know that we did not submit to their religious shackles, not even for a moment, so that we might keep the truth of the gospel of grace unadulterated for you. The gospel of grace unadulterated. Man, this is not just, you know, like brownies with a little with a little bit of poop. I'm telling you, it's just all brownie. <laughs> okay. Right? A little bit of law plus grace equals law. Okay. Ephesians 3, 6. Uh, here's the secret. Oh my goodness. This is not a book. This is actually a secret that brings life. Okay. The gospel of grace has made you non-Jewish believers. 
Uh, that's everybody inclusion. Okay. Uh, and you Jewish believers as well. So this is all good into co-heirs of his promise through your union with him. And you have now become members of his body. One with the anointed one. Everything is about inclusion. Everything is about our union with him. Everything is because that's what was established. That's the good news. You're one with God. You're not God. You're one with him. You're united with him. You're united with him, whether you know it or not, agree it with not, vote for it or not, give it the flying finger, run the other way. It's irrelevant. You're believing the truth doesn't make it true. It just means that you're experiencing the truth. And this is all about experiencing the truth of the goodness of God who he is, the gospel of grace, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of Christ. It's all pointing in different things to the same thing. And you're one with him. It's already been established. We're not waiting for it to happen. We're awakening to it more and more so that we can experience it more and more. It's all about the experiential taking in of everything of who God is, who you are, what he did, what that means, what he's doing, what it means in the yucky here and now, what it means in all the places where maybe you're still wallowing around in the sewer or where your loved ones are wallowing around in the sewer. All of what that means, it's all for you. It's all about Christ and he's all about you. It's all about our union and it's all about our father through our union with Christ. It's all about the Holy Spirit in us. It's all about love. It's all about experiencing and the motive of love and the person of love and what that means and how it happened. The, the big A answer became, came before the little P problem of the fall in comparison, um, and how he walked it out on planet earth, uh, what that means in every mindset and every person that was ever born and, and ever conceived, all of that wrapped up with a bow and sent off with a kiss to you to minister to you right now in the yucky here and now so that you can experience a beautiful here and now more and more and more because you are utterly adored. And with that, I will sign off. I love you. Have an amazing day. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.